0: The heart of a teacher—that—that's really, I think, what you're going to hear as you listen to this episode. So I know it's outside the world of truck repair, but trust me, everything that Joel is about to talk to you about in this episode really impacts truck repair. Uh, I grew up in a truck dealership. Uh, we didn't—we didn't know how the first clue how to spec a truck besides making it look pretty. Like the factory didn't provide a lot of training. There was customers asking for things. We obviously screwed up specking a lot of trucks, having to swap customers out with different transmissions or different rear axles to make sure they, the ratios to make sure they got the right thing uh, that they were paying a lot of money for. And this is a big deal. Uh, I think what you'll learn in this is this is not 2004. This is not 2007. This is a completely new time. The engineering and thought and science uh, has really surpassed kind of those original issues I think we all experienced with fuel economy. And I think the old adage was, I can have fuel economy, but no power, or I can have a bunch of power, but no fuel economy. And I think what you'll learn in this is a lot of companies spend a lot of money, billions of dollars, more than likely, to give you both. And Joel is out there, uh, a man on a mission. And I have a prediction to make. I I predict in the next couple of years, you'll see Joel with his his own company, just helping... Helping people spec trucks properly. It could be the sales side, could be the buy side, uh, but he's he's really onto something here and knows more about this than probably anyone, and more than actually no more than anyone I've ever met. Um, and he's basically taken the science and 35 years of his professional driving experience, and I think he's building something amazing that he he might not be aware of at this point. But I think he's on to something that has a big big potential for him if he wants to take it that far. So with that, enjoy the episode. Again, love hearing your comments. And thank you for supporting us here at the DL. Welcome to the DL. I am your host, Tyler Robertson, the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. And this episode is gonna be all about the people that run the trucks. Not the people fixing the trucks, the people that run the trucks. And I'm excited to this conversation because a lot of this comes down to specking and building the right piece of equipment for what you do. And I worked at truck dealerships. I actually did sales. I helped spec trucks. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I probably should have. So I figured let's bring someone in here today that can kind of break this all down for us. Cause I think fuel economy is a little bit of this, this mystery thing out there and how it works, right? Uh, so Joel, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Where are you, where are you calling in from?
1: I'm actually sitting at a truck stop in a truck <laughs> uh, this morning and uh, sitting here in Ohio and uh, ready to ready to do things this morning.
0: So, can you give everyone a little background on you? Like, you're obviously a professional driver. Um, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit of your background and kind of what you're doing today.
1: Sure. So, I've I've been driving for 35 years, um, close to five million miles. It's four seven or four eight, something like that. We're getting getting close to that five million mile mark. Um, I also have been specking trucks and working um, with mid-sized fleets at a very high level um, i'm not a guy to sit in the office so um i i spend my time in the truck i'm still a hundred thousand mile a year guy you know in the past i was closer to a miles a year love to be on the road love to drive um so i think i bring a, a fairly unique perspective in that that i understand what the people are thinking in the back office you know what the challenges can be in the shop what the challenges are to the driver Um, and you know being out here every day operating the equipment that i spec i don't have a problem getting feedback Um, oftentimes you have several drivers that you rely on for feedback and if they're having a bad day you know you're gonna get bad feedback it's just the way it is maybe they're late for a delivery they're stuck in traffic they're having issues at home you know, um, everybody has a rotten day for whatever reason, and a lot of times that, that skews things as far as getting feedback on a particular spec or a particular parameter that you had just set in the truck. So um, I think I have a, a uh, like I said, a unique perspective and um, the ability to do some things that uh, are actually quite hard for other people to do as far as gathering that real-world information.
0: So when did you first start getting serious and thinking a lot about fuel economy? Like when did that flip switch from like, I'm just driving truck to like, this is an important thing I need to learn more about?
1: Yeah, So my dad ran a recycling business and he had a few trucks that just serviced his own customers. And he was a penny pincher a miser in a, in a big way. Um, i i mean just mowing the grass you didn't let the lawnmower run any longer than what you <laughs> needed it to it's just the way it was so it was kind of pounded into my head um when i first decided to get into just the trucking part of it and get away from the recycling you know i, I kind of i'll be honest i've done the outlaw thing there for a couple of years I just you know went out and ran a truck as hard as i could and you know you had two or three paper log books in the back and you done what everybody was doing um at at that time. And I learned real quick, this is a recipe to go broke and wreck your health and all kinds of other things, negative. And, uh, really sat down and really thought about it long and hard. So there's got to be a better way and, um, really started focusing on the efficiency at that point. And, uh, things got real good after, you know, we, we really started to focus on the efficiency and brought the fuel mileage up. Um, Fuel mileage, efficiency, safety, and maintenance all go hand in hand. The same matrix kind of work with, with everything. And we really noticed that, you know, our safety record got much better. Our maintenance cost really dropped, and uh, that was all good for the bottom line.
0: So I I noticed just doing a little background research and everything on you. There was the NACFE run on less efficiency demonstration, and you got you got involved in that. Can you kind of describe to everyone like what what exactly that is and what kind of the goal of that was?
1: Yeah. So the the NACFE run on less demonstrations um, are a a great resource for anybody that's uh, you know considering buying new trucks or specing equipment. They do them every other year. Um, <clears throat> the first one. I was involved in 2017, it was over the highway Longer haul diesel trucks and um, there, I think there was like 10 of us, I don't remember the exact number, and they just followed us around for a month and we submitted our fuel receipts and they would audit all of our information that we turned in. They came in and audited the trucks before the demonstration started so they knew that nobody was playing with the revs per mile on the tires or anything like that. They wanted to verify the calibration and the dash and everything was correct. And they essentially, they they really tracked our fuel efficiency for that time period hauling real freight on real roads. Um, they also were kind of looking at the productivity as well, and but mostly focused on fuel efficiency. Um And, you know, we learned a lot. We had all the major manufacturers kind of brought their A game into that situation. Um, You know, being that it was a demonstration, NACV didn't say, well, these people won it and this was second, third or fourth place. It didn't really work that way. What I can tell you is that all of us combined, we were able to achieve over 10 miles a gallon for the entire demonstration. And we had some high rollers in that is in the fuel efficiency game. If, if anybody out there pays attention to any of this stuff out on, on social media, we had guys like Henry Albert, Clark Reed. Um, I was involved with it and there were a few others that, you know, are fairly well known in the fuel efficiency game. And, uh, we, we just had a really good time doing it. And we were able to prove that, you know, 10 miles a gallon is possible with today's equipment when spec'd right and operated correctly. Um, It was a, it was a fun, fun learning experience. Um, And then the 2019 um, edition of that, it was a regional hall and uh, actually my stepson drove in that one and I prepped the truck and set it all up, spec'd it, done all the parameters and everything. And uh, so it was kind of cool being involved in both of them. And then the one that they just had, that was all about electric trucks. And it was, you know, the final mile stuff, which I, I'm not involved in anything electric yet. Um, I'm sure that'll be coming at some point. Uh, it's just not ready for the, the regional and long haul segment yet.
0: Well, I mean, I see you on LinkedIn. I, I I seen the pictures with Volvo. You got to I think you're sitting in a brand new Volvo right now, I believe. Um you know, is that, you know, are, it sounds like you're working a little bit with these guys and there's some things going on there. Um, how's the new truck treating you that you got in right now?
1: Sure. So um, I do work directly with Volvo doing field testing work. Um, the, the truck that I'm in right now is the new iTorque spec, which is aggressively down-sped. Um, You know, we're turning, I don't know, 990 RPM at 600 or at 65 mile an hour. Um, in overdrive so we have a 2.16 rear axle ratio which most people commonly associate with a direct drive uh, spec and we threw it into an overdrive <laughs> always pushing the limits of everything um, Volvo's done some unique things with their turbo compounded engine that allows us to run these super low rpm without hurting the engine at all it, it does just fine at these low rpms and fuel economy out of the gate here has been well north of nine um i've had several engineers in the truck driving it across the country here lately so it hasn't been just me behind the wheel but even some of these guys that are a little green and they haven't had their cdl all that long are able to to get nine out of it running the speed limit like across kansas you know you're talking 75 and 80 mile an hour that's the speed limit and uh you know, at 70 mile an hour, the trucks turn in 1100 RPM and in, in overdrive. So it's very comfortable at high speeds. So this is a truck that we've looked at the fuel efficiency and obviously we want to maintain high fuel efficiency, but we also wanted to bring the productivity more into the spotlight. And we also wanted to make sure that we had very good pulling power when we were in the hills. And that's something that you know, as long as I've been specing trucks for the last 35 years, if you put together an economy spec, you pretty much knew it was going to be a dog in the hills. There was just nothing yeah. you could do about that. We've kind of solved that riddle with today's spec. Um, so it's it's an exciting truck, fun truck to drive. It, it does everything well. Um, and the big thing about the new Volvo iTorque spec, in the past, you always kind of had to get your crystal ball out. You had to kind of say to yourself when you were speccing a truck, what's the economy going to do? Are freight rates going to be very low and fuel prices going to be high and I need to spec a direct drive truck that runs 60 mile an hour? Or do I spec an overdrive truck expecting freight rates to be high and fuel prices to be low and I need a truck that can run 75 mile an hour? You always had to make that choice in the past. Um, With the iTorque, you get both. I can run this in overdrive or direct drive at 55 or at 75. It doesn't make any difference. And we're also addressing the driver retention issue because the truck is fun to drive. Um, it's, it, 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 it's truly a driver's truck, so that that's kind of fun. And we're driving down maintenance costs as well. Um, I like to relate everything back to piston speed, which is slightly different than RPM. I think when you say piston speed, most people think, you know, RPM, but it has to do with the stroke and the length of the rod and how fast that piston's traveling through the actual stroke and that can impact emissions and whatnot. And um, the Volvo design does a very, very good job at really keeping a consistent speed through the stroke and allowing full combustion to happen. it doesn't run away from top dead center like some of the other, other designs out there. And that can create some emissions problems.
0: Well, Volvo has always seemed to be kind of on the cutting edge with advanced driver assist systems and just creature comforts and ease. I mean, I remember watching a video of them literally put like a hamster cage in a steering wheel and had a hamster steering the truck up a mine, right? <laughs> like they, you know, they they've uh, they've had yeah. some great marketing, but they've made some great product. You can tell they put a lot of a lot of engineering effort goes into this. Um, but there's a point I guess I want to talk about, which is specking, and mm-hmm. and you really have like from my perception, there was always three sides of it. You had the factory, the engineers, the people building these things. Then they build the software and the software is used by the dealers that are specking the trucks. Right. And I worked mm-hmm. at a dealership. I got no training on how to spec a fuel efficient truck. And I know most mm-hmm. salespeople don't. Um, and then you have the customer, right. And there's, there's right. three, like everyone has like a little piece of what they want, a little piece of knowledge. How, I mean, you've been doing it for a while. How do, how do people bridge that gap to make sure they are specking the proper truck for what they're trying uh, this to accomplish. Is
1: difficult. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's very difficult. Um, you know, training is difficult, especially today with as fast as technology is moving, keeping sales people up to speed and comfortable with what they're telling a customer yeah. is definitely a trick today. Um, we're seeing just rapid deployment of these aggressively downsped trucks. Via all the manufacturers, really, they're all doing it to some degree, and salespeople are are kind of nervous about that deployment. That you know, they're they don't drive every day, and so you know they're used to in a truck with a 500 horsepower engine and a 308 rear end gear, and when you say, "Look, we're going to do a 455 216 with an overdrive," they're like, "Well, it won't be able to go up a hill. It won't be able to do this." And so you really have to walk them through you know, how we're using the transmission today. We have to explain torque multiplication. We have to explain piston speed. There's a, there are a lot of, of, of things that play there and they're not easy concepts to get your mind around unless you're, you're a geek like I am that think about this, this stuff all the time. And, um, so that's definitely a challenge. Um, Volvo's approach on this, we're, we're trying to do a, they're trying to do kind of a, a push button solution. So we've built a truck that is very adaptable to virtually any on-highway situation that you can imagine. So the iTorque spec will work in a short regional application. It'll work in a long-haul application. It'll work for a reefer. It'll work for a drive van. It'll work for a tanker. There's just so much versatility in that spec. It covers a very wide spectrum, and it really relieves the salesperson. You know, you were probably back in the day looking at all these different components and why would I use this and not this and try to put all this stuff together. This is actually more similar to a car. Um, When you're ordering a car, you get some options that, okay, we can put this on the inside. Here's the color of the paint. But as far as the powertrain is laid out, because it is so versatile and adaptable, um, there's not going to be a whole lot of options. And that takes a lot of the stress and strain off the salespeople. Um, took a lot of work with the powertrain engineering staff working, you know, with me out in the field, providing a lot of feedback. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think we're there. And I, I think this is going to kind of set a trend in the industry that, you know, before we'd say, okay, do you want a 9-speed, a 10-speed, a 13-speed, an 18-speed? All that stuff's going to go away, essentially. You're going to get an automated 13 or 14-speed, um, yeah. depending on what manufacturer you go with. Uh, it was pretty common to see the 12-speed automated. I think they're all going to go to deeper reduction in order to, you know, accommodate these aggressively downsped rear end gears. And we we just have such a wide sweet spot in today's engines. And with the newer transmissions coming out um, and these aggressive downsped gears, we just we're very very adaptable, and uh, the performance is quite good across the board, whether you're in the hills, on the flat, rolling hills, light, heavy, really doesn't make any difference. They're they're impressive trucks for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing when you think about it, right, like Volvo, they've been building the trucks for a hundred years and they're still innovating, still coming with new technology, still making these things better and better on the fuel efficiency side. And I know we've been talking a lot about drivetrain. And, and by the way, um, just like side note story, like when I, when I worked at a dealership before when I first got started, it was amazing how often we ordered the wrong the wrong gear ratio axles and had to do swap outs all the time. And thank God Eaton and Meritar had programs to allow <laughs> us to swap those things out. Because <laughs> we screwed it up all the time, right? The guy got the truck, yeah. he's super upset about whatever. And we we're like, oh, we gotta go swap out the gear ratios. It was, it was always a problem. But you know, beyond the drivetrain, how much of these other things we hear about, right? Like we hear about, you know, fairings and trailer gap and you know, oh, get rid of the mirrors and put cameras on. that will be less wind drag. Like, there's all these other things besides that do those add up to much or is it not a big deal or how's, what's your viewpoint on those
1: well here's a kind of a fun thing that i've gotten to do and this really drove the point home so i've always been told that if you close the gap up at higher speeds you're going to save roughly 25 horsepower um if you take the mirrors off and, you know, a similar savings, it, it, the faster you go because it's an exponential increase in drag, the faster you go, the bigger the impact is. So they would always throw out these horsepower numbers as far as what this saves you at what speed. And, you know, I've always believed the science, but I've never really had a chance to, to really see that in action. Um, recently, I had a chance to put the truck out on a, uh, the salt flat uh, with an older W900, and this was a 600 horsepower W9, um, very much traditionally spec, 18 speed, 355 rear end gears. Um, I had a 455 horsepower truck, 216 overdrive, and you know we we got to do some crazy stuff out on the salt flat. And he was he was faster than me up to 75 mile an hour, but once we got up to 75, the way that the new engines have horsepower and torque very low in the rpm range and the way we're geared to optimize that and we're aerodynamically slick we could just sail right on past that 600 horsepower truck he just was running out of gas he had all that aero drag um that engine was turning close to probably 18 1900 rpm he starts to fall off the torque curve and you know it, it was just the end of the road they were essentially gear bound so you know optimizing Gearing for highway speed today is extremely important. Getting that aerodynamics uh, right um, and getting the mechanical parasitic drag right also has a big impact. Um, Both increase exponentially as speed increases. So in the past, our solution was, well, let's just keep the same powertrain, but we'll add more horsepower. We can go faster. And it's true, you will, but it, it requires a lot more fuel to do it. So we just kind of took a different approach. We said, let's optimize the gearing for the highway speeds that we want to operate at and kind of let that engine relax a little bit at higher speeds. And, um, we were running just crazy high speeds and, and, uh, you know, I was able to still maintain seven miles a gallon with, with a loaded trailer, uh, no less, we were at 73,500 pounds and, uh, the poor OW9, you know, he was at three and a half doing the exact same thing. And uh, yeah. so you, you double up the fuel mileage. We're running less than half the RPM. And when you start to figure the added horsepower to spin that big block engine, um, you know, it's, it's like 60 horsepower that you're consuming right there. He had the big gap between the truck and the trailer. There's there's 90 horsepower right there. That W9 is aerodynamically ugly. There's another 30 more. So there's 120 horsepower. So his 600 horsepower advantage just kind of fades away i'm in a six by two he was in a six by four there's another 30 horsepower at those speeds um so you can see where all that horsepower at those higher speeds um it just costs you money Uh, and that's that's just the bottom line so there's a better way to do it um hard for a lot of people to get their mind around it because we've had it pounded in our head for so many years there's no replacement for displacement and horsepower is king um it's just not true. Uh, that's that's the bottom line. There's there are better ways of doing it. And uh, you know, I think the i really gonna drive that point home out in the marketplace.
0: All right. So I'm I'm definitely I mean, first of all, yeah, pushing pushing winds expensive, right? And that's essentially what these non-aerodynamic trucks are doing. And I'll be honest' I'm, I'm a Western star guy like that's where I started and this is before they had aerodynamic trucks right so this is sure. this is the early 2000s vocational dump trucks you know sure. gar, you know all, all that kind of stuff logging trucks that was our big thing right um you know and obviously today's a different world right we have we have diesel prices what they're at and obviously those fluctuate a lot. I know freights obviously there was a great period a couple of years ago now it seems like it's tightening up a little bit is there more of a trend you've seen over time now where people are like, so you don't see the 600 horsepowers, all the 15 and 16 liter stuff. Well, there's some 15 there, but the the big stuff's gone, right? The cat C 16s and whatnot. Are you seeing that trend still continuing where people are looking more and more and having more conversations about fuel economy and, and understanding, Hey, this is a business. I'm here to make money, not, not have my truck look awesome. Or is it still, is there still a lot of that going on out there? Where, where's well, it trending?
1: Yeah, it, it is trending towards fuel efficiency. Um, what's going to surprise a lot of folks is that we can be fuel efficient and fun, I guess, at the same time, so to speak. Um, that's going to throw a lot of people for a loop, especially your, your hardcore, um, old timers. They're just, they're going to be very skeptical of that. Um, but yeah, you know, displacement costs you money. It just does. Um, the, the more displacement in an engine, um, the more power it takes just to rotate the assembly inside the engine. It, it's it, displacement is not free. Um, you know, it's always been thought that, well, bigger displacement is more durable than the smaller engines. And that's not true today either. Um, when you start to compare, uh, kind of my thought is the crankshaft is kind of the foundation for any engine. And when you get out to the 15 and 16 liter engines, Just because of the bore spacing and whatnot, you have this really long crankshaft. Oftentimes, they are longer strokes, so they have less journal overlap on that crankshaft. And so that crankshaft, you know, it it fluctuates a lot in there and it causes some vibration issues. And that creates um, higher higher energy expenditures when you have vibration. So um, the smaller displacement engines, they tend to have a more robust crankshaft. They tend to have uh, more robust connecting rods. Um, and with some of the kind of unique things that like uh, Freightliner's doing with the asymmetric turbochargers and then Volvo's doing with turbo compounding, you're getting the same or actually better performance than you are out of the 15 and 16 liter engines with the traditional VGT or just straight turbos on them. Um, so it, this allows you to not only reduce mechanical drag in the engine it allows you to do some things aerodynamically because you're lighter up front you can close that trailer gap up tighter and still be legal out front and really get aerodynamically slick and uh if you're wanting to run higher speeds and still be efficient that's extremely important to do so definitely trending away i think from the 15 liter engines um you still see some push from salespeople, you know, to the to the traditionalist, you know, oh, 15 liters, the greatest thing ever. But it's definitely on its way out there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, 13 liter and, you know, even I've run some 11 liter engines on highway with with really good success. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see some even more downsizing. Just depends how fast electric gets into the game for the long haul stuff. But uh, it's definitely in in the cards for sure.
0: So one of the things I always heard, right, and this is, again, going back in the day, it's like, hey, you can have the same truck, the same routes, but you throw a different driver on there, you're going to have completely different results. Is that still true today? And how much does the driver and how they how they drive the vehicle impact fuel economy?
1: Well, that's interesting that, that you brought that up because part of my trip that my first trip out the gate, um, I actually had brought several drivers into the truck that had Virtually no experience. In fact, uh, two of them just had gotten their CDL a couple weeks before. And um, we wanted to test that to to see how much difference it actually does make. And in the past, um, I could see up to a 50 percent swing between drivers. The number always used to be 35 percent. I think that was conservative. Um, You get some of the the. just call them cowboys in there that, you know, I get paid by the mile, my foot's going to the floor and that's just the way it is. Um, you know, they, 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 were, they were hard on, on the efficiency and the maintenance would, would go through the roof. You know, we've seen this in fleet situation time after time, you know, one guy's getting eight and a half, the other guy's getting four and a half and they're running that exact same route. Uh, that, that would not be unusual today with some of the advanced, Software parameters and what you know, Volvo calls their system IC, and I know the other manufacturers have a version of this. The truck can actually look down the road, so to speak, and anticipate things. We do have a radar, we do have a camera, but we also have onboard map based GPS that has terrain mapping software. And as we really aggressively downspeed trucks and We start to have multiple choices for gears at highway speed Um, that really makes performance nice. And it really helps to close that gap that you're talking about between the drivers because the truck does feel very strong. So the cowboy's happy. The truck still gets very good fuel efficiency. So the geek is happy. So you kind of you're kind of doing everything there. Um, And uh, we're we're shrinking that gap. It hasn't completely gone away. You know, we, we get guys that will roll into a truck stop and it's um, 60 degrees out. And they'll still idle their truck all night for whatever reason. Um, there are other guys that will shut it off. So there's nothing that we can really do about that. At this point, there's some idle controls and stuff, but drivers tend not to like that. and They, they figure out how to override that and cheat that real easy. So um, uh, we are closing that gap. Is it totally closed? No. Um, I would say on today's truck, like I'm in now, there's probably instead of a 50% difference, there's probably a 25% difference.
0: Yeah. Well, I think if anything I've learned during this conversation is, and, and by the way, I had, I think like 40 questions here for you. And I think I made it through about four of them. It feels like like I, I could talk about this all, <laughs> all day, all day long with you. Um, and I, I don't want to do that. I know your time. Hey, I, I obviously you're in your truck. You got, you got loads to haul and you got things going on. Um, uh, but I think it's a really important topic. I mean, you know, I kind of came into the industry in the early 2000s when emissions, 2004, 7, 10, 13, all those obviously negatively impacted emissions pretty dramatically when they when they first came out. And it seems like it's swung back the other way now where, hey, trucks are more fuel efficient than they they have been in the past. And government's obviously taken a big part of that, right? And I, I know for the people listening to this that aren't aware, kind of the stance of the EPA at first was reduce the emissions coming out of the tailpipe. And now it's get more miles out of each gallon of, of diesel that's in the vehicle, which thus reduces emissions getting into the air as well. Um, so I, I'm excited for the future, man. I, I think between you got EVs, you got hydrogen, you got all these things going on and then diesel's getting more and more efficient out there and the technology that's going on. So Joel, if people want to get a hold of alpha drivers testing and consulting or get a hold of you, where's where's the best place to do that?
1: Right now, the best place that you can get a hold of me is I'm very active on Facebook, and so we, we are, we're at Volvo Truck Masters. Um, that is the best place to get a hold of me right right at the moment. Um, I have some things in process here. Uh, I, I'll tell you, like we talked about earlier, kind of the demand for what I'm doing caught me by surprise here. So we're playing catch up, trying to set some things up as far as the Alpha drivers testing and consulting. You know, we're looking at doing some work for the small fleets and the owner operators. We're just trying to get all that figured out exactly how we want that to look and, and get that set up. Um, you know, typically I'm, I'm working with the bigger OEMs. Um, and you know, that's kind of a, a personal one-on-one relationship I have going there. But uh, go go into Volvo Truckmasters. Um, we also have an Alpha Drivers uh, Facebook page. Uh, you'll find us there as well. Um, pretty active on LinkedIn also. Um, and you can send me email direct if, if you want. If you have a specific question, it's joel at alphadrivers-tc.com. Um, and if you have questions, um, feel free to send them. I, I, I'll work through them. I, I try to get to everybody. I've just been, you know, smashed overloaded here lately, but uh, I, I try to answer everything that I get. So feel free to, to send the questions.
0: Well, Joel, it doesn't surprise me because I think if anyone talks to you for more than thirty seconds, they can get that you you know this, you're passionate about it, and you generally want to help people, right? And the way I look at it too is there's a quarter million commercial trucks built every year in the class eight market. And if we could get them all spec the right way, I think that would help with a lot of things, right? More money in people's pocketbooks, the government, all these things.
1: it really does. You know, for for years, people have been afraid of the emissions trucks. Um, we, we finally gotten over the hump on you know the the first generation, second generation of emissions, which were very difficult to deal with. Internally, um, we figured out how to deal with that. It was very um, labor intensive, very aggressive preventive maintenance to, to keep those trucks on the road. It could be done, but it, it um, there was some cost involved with that today. Once we figured out the, the link between piston speed and the combustion process and optimizing gearing for the road, things have gotten really good. In fact, in my brother's fleet, his latest generation of uh, the, the Gen 2 D13 TC's, um, he's just about on par cost wise with uh, the old Caterpillar's he ran back in the day um, maintenance wise. So they're getting very good. There, there is no doubt about it. If you spec it right, if, if they're not spec'd right, we get crazy piston speed. You're going to run into all the problems that we used to have. So it it all centers around that. But, um, yeah, be absolutely happy to, to help anybody if they have questions to the degree that I can and, and, um, you know, looking forward to it.
0: Well, thank you very much again for coming on, speaking with us today. Uh, probably going hit you up for another follow-up episode in the future since I didn't get through all my questions answered yet. Hey,
1: hey, I'm more than happy. Um, you know, I, I, I like doing this anytime I can help people, and we can get out there and, and spread some uh, information that is useful to people. Uh, and, you know, near and dear to my heart are the owner-operators and the small fleets. I'll also work with big fleets, but, you know, we came up uh, – you know, starting with one truck, and I know the the pitfalls and the the pain that specking the truck wrong can cause, and I know how that can really impact you financially. and And if I can, you know, suggest a few things to help somebody avoid that, I am I'm all for it.
0: Well, everyone, we're going to call this an episode, and I usually say diagnostics done right. I'm not going to say that this time. This time, it's specking done right. Talk to Joel. Talk to Alpha Drivers Testing and Consulting. They're there to help you guys. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all those things help us and we'll catch you on the next episode.